Welcome to Hub and Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub and Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. Welcome to another episode of NGI's Hub and Flow. I'm Letitia Gonzalez, Price and Markets Editor at Natural Gas Intelligence. Joining me today is Dana Adams, Legislative Policy Manager for the Coalition for Renewable Natural Gas, otherwise known as the RNG Coalition. NGI has written extensively about various NGI, uh, RNG projects across the country, and you can read about them and more in our daily gas price index. Today, though, I want to welcome Dana to provide our listeners with some insight into the various clean heat policies being developed in various states. Dana, welcome to NGI's Hub and Flow. Hi, yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. Dana, you and I met recently in Houston at the RNG Coalition's Policy Summit, where you were on a panel discussing the various clean heat policies around the country. And it was a lot to unpack in such a short time that we were there. And of course, we have even less time here today. But let's just kind of start with some of the basics on clean heat. What exactly are we talking about when we hear the words clean heat? Are we are we talking about renewable energy like wind and solar being used to heat homes and businesses? Or does this include natural gas with maybe some carbon capture and storage technology? So when we talk about clean heat standard or a CHS, they are just a policy framework that reduces and regulates emissions from the thermal sector by incentivizing the adoption of several types of clean heat measures, which includes incorporating things like clean fuels such as RNG into the gas system or incentivizing carbon capture and storage. It really depends on the policy and the location, but it can they usually include several different pathways to achieve emissions reductions in the thermal sector. Well, that's good. So it's kind of an all of the above approach. And obviously, I don't think there's any question that there's widespread support for lowering greenhouse gas emissions. But it's just how we get to that point is still just what's a little unclear. I mean, even at the state level, there's a lot of debate around maybe the best approach to transition to cleaner sources of heat and importantly, you know, the costs to to doing so. So in your opinion, I know there's a lot of different policies out there. Which states do you think are really advancing the ball in a meaningful way? What do these policies have that make them kind of a good roadmap to achieving cleaner heat? So where these policies really excel is, like, as you mentioned, kind of an all of the above approach. And we think that a all tools in the toolbox or a holistic approach to decarbonization is the best method because we have to think about decarbonization and emissions reductions in the near and the long-term scale. And there are certain infrastructure changes that will be required to achieve these goals. But there is technology that we can roll out today, such as RNG injecting it straight into the gas system, for example. So states that really are taking the lead on this, Minnesota would be a good example with the implementation of the Natural Gas Innovation Act, which was passed in 2021 
And then it went through the regulatory process and now it's been fully implemented. And what that did was it provided incentives for gas utilities to innovate their gas mix, basically. So it provided incentives to incorporate innovations such as procuring RNG or utilizing carbon capture technologies as a part of their infrastructure. And it provided also the benefit of requiring a certain amount of ratepayer dollars to be invested back into these sort of clean technologies. And then another state that's really leading the way right now is Vermont, which actually they just implemented their clean heat standard, the Affordable Heat Act, this year, just in May. And this one is really interesting because it's not only among the first in the Northeast, but it also incorporates several different clean heat measures to achieve decarbonization. And by measures like what I referred to earlier, such as procuring clean energy like RNG or weatherization practices or even advanced wood burning technologies, for example, just an all over approach. And you could mix and match these approaches and utilities participating in this program can generate credits. So it also creates an incentive for participants to continue to decarbonize. Right. And when you mentioned the wood burning approaches, you know, so I guess that's also something that we have to consider too, is is where these states are located. And this is why it, it should be and is a, an all of the above approach because you've got certain resources in some areas and, and not in others. So I guess in addition to that, what are some of the other policies out there that, you know, may have some challenges or just what are some of the broader challenges um, out there when it comes to deciding on and implementing these clean air heat policies? So some of the challenges for implementing and deciding how best to approach a clean heat standard, of course, is there's a debate over whether we should electrify or electrify some and maintain the natural gas infrastructure. And there's a misconception that it has to be a all or nothing approach sometimes. And this is uh, something that we see in certain states, such as New York, where there is a stronger preference for electrification or in Massachusetts, for example, where they have a couple different active proposals for a clean heat standard in legislation, and some of them include RNG, some of them don't include RNG, for example. And so the other issue that you have to get to is the education piece and really point out what these policies are and how best to achieve overall decarbonization. Because you can, for example, you can electrify buildings, but you have to build out that infrastructure and that takes time. There are options that we can use in in the near term, such as using renewable fuels in the gas system to decarbonize basically today. Right. Well, and I think you touched on education, and I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges because you and I may read all of this, read all about RNG on a, on a daily basis, but the general public doesn't. And so reaching that broader audience, I would think, is, is certainly a challenge no matter what state you're in. So that's interesting to hear. Let's talk a little bit more about RNG in particular, because I know at the Policy Summit, there was just a lot of discussion about renewable natural gas and how to bring developers and pipelines to the table to discuss, you know, what is needed to ensure that 
RNG is continuously being developed, but also hooked into the natural gas distribution system. What are some of those challenges and, and how are the two coming together to resolve those? So as you said earlier, there's definitely no question that we need to reduce emissions. And as we've talked early, and, and like there's also going to be like a cost to doing this as well. And so one way to bring developers and pipelines to the table to discuss how we can really achieve these goals is to create cooperative policies that provide mechanisms for cost recovery or even tax-based incentives that defray the cost of implementing or procuring RNG either itself or the infrastructure. And these are policies that many states are currently considering because they recognize that this is something that has to happen as a part of the energy transition, but there is a real cost. And how can we best defray those costs to meet those goals? Because you will have a much greater buy-in to these programs if you use incentives instead of mandates. Right, right. Well, obviously, certainly, you know, overcoming that burden is a significant one, you know, all the way down to the general consumer like you and I. How does this compare? Obviously, the U.S. has its own set of challenges and, and opportunities, but how, how does this compare to developments around RNG and other, you know, policies in other countries? Can you touch on maybe some of the progress being made, you know, whether it's in Europe or elsewhere? Of course, it's it's really fascinating to see what other countries are doing. We like to point out Denmark example as a leader in the energy transition. And it's getting back to your question about natural gas's place in the in the energy transition. And Denmark is a good example of that because in their green gas roadmap, they show that there is a long-term place for these gases in the clean energy transition. Currently, Denmark, about 37 to 40% of their gas mix is biogas. Their landfill rate is only about 5%. So they're really utilizing their waste streams to create RNG to offset their fuels. And they're decreasing it over time. So it's they're going to achieve, or they project that they're going to achieve about 100% RNG in their mix by about 2030. Wow, that's not very long from now. And so you said right now it's about 40%? It's about 40%, yes. Yeah, that's significant. That's huge. Well, and it's it's obviously good to hear that Denmark, you know, is a leader in this and, and sees the long-term role for natural gas as part of this energy transition. And I do think that more and more, that's kind of the opinion that is taking shape. If it wasn't already, you know, now I think it's definitely solidified its role in the energy transition. So Dana, thank you so much for that. Obviously, NGI continues to write extensively about, you know, all the RNG facilities popping up around the country, along with the ongoing policy development we see unfolding. So we'll be sure to keep a pulse on the news as it happens. Dana, thank you so much for that excellent insight. And thank you for joining us on NGI's Hub and Flow today. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And if I could do one, just say one last thing, I think that it's great that you're highlighting this industry and we appreciate it greatly. And I would like to be able to offer even to your listeners that the the Coalition for Renewable Gas is that we are available as a education resource if they're interested in learning more, either through our website or reaching out to us directly. And really, we would like to hear from them. 
Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Dana, and I'm sure they do too. Thank you so much. So it looks like that's all the time we have for today's on behalf of NGI. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. Until next time, take care. Dependable data drives informed business decisions. Trust NGI to provide your natural gas and LNG data for North America. If your business requires daily, weekly, or midweek pricing data, forward curves, or flow data, NGI has a reliable product suite to support you. Visit natgasintel.com backslash services to understand what we have to offer and how we can help you and your business today. Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub & Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the resources tab to find the podcast page.